The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. I love G'day everyone, I'm Mac 19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. Joining me as co-host, as always, we've got Rick. How are you, mate? Yes, you are, Mac 19 How are you? Good, mate. Good. Yourself? Yeah, bit on, yeah, very good. Bit on edge, eh? Bit nervous. Very anxious. Anything could happen tonight. Yeah, complete randomness of live radio and families. That's it. If I have to run off in five minutes' time, then I do apologise. Can we do? Uh, can we just do a live birth on air? I reckon that'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be a first. Do you think she'd be willing to participate in that? Probably not. Damn. Damn. And by probably, I mean definitely. No, that's, that's not happening. Damn. Could you be one of those people that maybe video records it all and then puts it on Facebook? Uh, yeah, I highly doubt that'll be happening either, to be Damn. honest. It's such a spoiled sport. I am. Yes, that's very true. But look, let's uh, let's bring our guest into this discussion as well. Good evening, Janus. Hello. Janus. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Very good. Very good. Well, let's get straight into it and talk about our love and hate for this week. One thing we loved, one thing we hated about Port Adelaide for the week. Rick, I'm going to go with you first. Bugger. Um, I hate the fact that we have to say it's, it's only a pre-season game, doesn't matter. Because that's what it is. But pre-season is very predictable and boring. When your team wins, you're becoming the premiership favourite in pre-season. And when your your team loses, it becomes trotted out line of, it's only pre-season, what does it matter? So, uh, it's only pre-season, what does it matter? But I still hate losing, damn it. But I I think there is a reason reason that I I will go into, I'm sure, throughout the the review segment of the game. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Janus? What's your hate? I hate NAB commentators starting and about talking about how NAB Cup or NAB Challenge games don't matter, but then halfway through the game when it's they get wrapped up and caught up into it, they they need to I don't know, I guess try and talk it up so people actually care about the games and stuff and maybe that's something to do with like the broadcast rights or something like that but I don't know just watching the game because I didn't actually end up going to to watch it live I was watching it on Fox and at that halfway through the last quarter and stuff just the way that the guys were carrying on and stuff about it you know about how Melbourne was going to win and stuff like that yeah I just didn't like that at all I'm like yeah make up your minds basically yeah so relax people it's just a preseason. But it's Melbourne winning a game. So let's blow this up to monumental proportions. It's something to be excited about if you're a D supporter, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, look, my what hate, about you? My hate is the poor form of Cam O'Shea. And look, we know he's a bit of a slow starter, but that uh, shouldn't really be an excuse anymore. You know, he was pretty horrid all day, and it hurts to say it as he's one of my favourite players, but... Is there a spot in the side for O'Shea anymore? Um, not too sure. We know his best is incredible. He's shown it in big games before. He's done it in finals. But you can't carry his lack of intensity, poor positioning, uh, plainly shithouse disposal and sloppy free kicks through the first few months of the season before he kicks into gear. Um, I was really hoping he'd have a, a pretty big preseason this year and, and be ready to go from day one. But um, once again, it's not to be. You know you're going to be rattling someone's cage with that statement. Come at me. <laughs> Porsche, will you be coming at Macca over that statement? I believe so, but I even I agree with you, Macca. I, I think uh, Porsche will even struggle to uh, mount an argument after that game. It was pretty woeful. Yeah, I mean, just really lazy kicks, um, stupid yeah. fifty meter penalties. I mean, even though it's as you said, it's just the NAB Cup and it doesn't really matter. But you know, that's the sort of stuff he brings into the first like a few months of the year until about July. So it's not really good enough and he needs to be ready to go from round one, to be honest. I mean, one of the Absolutely, things you've yeah. got to... Sorry. 
<laughs> I was going to say right. one of the things. One of the things that you've got to remember is, even though it is preseason, it is only NAB Challenge games and stuff. You still want to have the same intent or start the way you want to finish, basically. So, even if the intent isn't as, or the uh, the intensity isn't as high your intent of how you want to play the game and what you're doing should still be the same. And you just didn't see it with O'Shea no, in that game. No. Mm. Disappointing. He <laughs> 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 is so funny. Oh, what a legend. What a legend. Anyway, talk about our loves. Uh, Rick, what was your love for the week, mate? I'm going with the, the Boakmeister. I thought Travis... Uh, was fantastic. Well, he was our only midfielder uh, to get over 20 possessions, and we'll go into the rotation argument later on. But you know, with the with the dying rotations and uh, and the reduced number on the bench compared to the opposition, I thought Travis ran out the game and was there the whole time and and really played a, a great leader's performance. And while you're pointing out with Cam, where he just wasn't switched on and didn't seem to care, um, Travis. Did care and did what a good captain does. Yep, that's a fair call. Janus? Dimitri. Dimitri is my love. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I reckon that the last game against Sydney, you saw some glimpses, and this game, he got better again. So you're starting to see what, why he was taken as a top four pick. I'm not saying that he is at that level yet that you go, oh yeah, he's like elite or whatever, but you're starting to see what he can offer the side. Like some of the kicks that he did from like were Pollock-like in terms of their, just their penetration and the eliteness of the passing and stuff like that. So yeah, I really liked his game. He was really good. I guess we'll go into a bit more detail about his game a little bit later on, but look, he looks like, he'll just settle in perfectly at Port Adelaide. And, you know, his sort of uh, accurate disposal and um, just the way that he weights his kicks is fantastic as well. And I think there was one kick where he was kicking out of defence and hit a running butcher where he didn't really have to break stride or anything like that. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do this year. And I've got no doubt he's going to play round one. It's interesting. Last week I had to listen to the game on on the radio and I had to listen to the first half on the radio because I was obviously driving. And um, what stands out to me with listening to the commentary with uh, Tumpas so far is he's been involved in a lot of uh, uh, scoring movements of the ball. So he's definitely been in a linkage sort of player in those passages. Is that how you guys would have seen him? He's definitely a link man. He's not... Um... He's probably not the one getting in and under and, and dishing it out, but he's the one sort of two disposals out of a clearance um, and delivering the bowl. So I reckon that's the perfect sort of role for him. Mm. Yeah. Coming off of half-back through the wing, that sort of that sort of area where you can... Kind of exact, pretty much exactly like Pollock is. Same sort of thing. Like, you want him to be able to be able to get some contested possession when it's his turn to do it, but I don't think that's his role to do that. Like you said, he's in the in and under style because he's not that sort of player. You want to use his strengths. His strengths are the, that he can hit a good pass to someone on the lead or, you know, and do those uh, angled kicks, basically, from the wing into like, the centre corridor or whatever yeah. sort of thing. So. Look, I guess what... was, was pretty poor. Um, for pretty much all year last year. So to bring Polek and Tumpus into that side, that's just going to hopefully revitalise our skill level and you know we're going to hit a lot more targets inside 50. Can I guess what your love was, Macca? Yep. Was your love the fact that Port Adelaide is now officially and finally got a wine sponsor? Uh, no, but I do like that oh. we've got a wine sponsor. I thought you would. I thought of you straight away. What's your love then? My love is certainly not getting sunburnt on Saturday. That was uh, not very good. Um, my love is Sammy Gray. Uh, 19 touches, 5 clearances, 10 contested possessions in two and a half quarters game time. He was good last week and even better this week uh, with some of the better mids out there as well. 
hopefully it's a sign he's going to continue his rise up the AFL ranks and uh, and become a, a bit of a mainstay in the side. What a yep. what a awesome. success story, eh? He's just turned his awesome. career into something, something chronic. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing turnaround where pretty much everybody was writing him off um, midway through last year, and you know he just looks like an absolute star at the moment. Well, he's playing his natural what? position now, isn't he? Yeah, well, that's yeah. Well. yeah. Rather, rather being pigeonholed and being that forward, but what makes him so good now? Is it just that he's playing his natural position? Is it the fact that he believes in himself? What's where, what's the change? Well, he's a natural rover, so I think him playing in that position is uh, is doing him a world of good. I think the fact that he's you know fifth or sixth banana in the midfield is also a good thing because he's not really getting a lot of attention from the opposition, and because he's so good around the packs, can read the the tap very very well. Um, he's able to get a little bit loose and, and win so much of the ball. Hmm. It's the advantage of having a strong side, isn't it? It is. It is. Awesome. Yep. Well, let's uh, talk about the game in a bit more detail. It was uh, the second NAB challenge that Port Adelaide has played. We played Melbourne in Elizabeth on Saturday and came away with a disappointing 19-point defeat. Um, Travis Boak and Westhoff kicked three goals each, uh, whilst Matty Broadbent slotted a super goal in the first quarter as well. Um, As we know, we led by as much as... Uh, 30 points throughout the second quarter before falling apart after halftime and uh, even going scoreless in the third quarter. So because of that, I figure we may as well split this uh, review into two halves. Um, Janus, what did you think of the first half? I thought when, I, when the game first started, it was a typical first game back for all the star players, basically. like They were playing and you could see... There were certain things that weren't quite there, but you thought to yourself, well, you know, it's the first game back for a lot of these guys, you know. They'll get back into it and continue on. And after the first half is over, the second half will blow these guys away. Basically, like, the transition seemed to be pretty good. You know, we seem to be getting out the back pretty easily. Um, lots of good movement. And, yeah, basically, like I said, it seemed to be one of those things, a uh, typical first game back for the, all the star players' performance. And there, are, there was a few um, things that, like with missed tackles and things like that, where you thought, oh, okay, this is a little bit, you know, a bit of rust or something like that. But, yeah, in general, there was no reason to think that after half time we weren't going to come out and just eventually blow these guys away with a 10-goal win or something like that, which is what a lot of people were saying at half-time. Oh, no doubt, yeah. I mean, it did look like that way um, throughout that second quarter. We really got on top and we're winning heaps of the ball and our transition play was uh, was fantastic. Um, you know, even though we were getting beaten in the ruck, uh, the Greys were sharking plenty of clearances and, and our back line was rock-solid. We're able to win back the ball and successfully uh, get it into our forward line on a number of occasions. And similar to, to last week and also the uh, internal trial, we seemed to just stick to whatever side of the play we were on. Um, there wasn't a lot of um, switching of the play. It was just get it down the field as quick as possible. Um, I really liked our attack at the ball and the body. I thought that continued on from last week really well. Uh, we went in super hard and, and usually came out with the bowl and um, certainly the best players at halftime you would think would have been uh, the two greys. Uh, Westhoff had a massive first quarter um, and Pittard and Brody were just fantastic down back as well. Is it a bit of a concern to our gameplay that um, we're not actually trying to switch or transition the ball at all and we're just running the lines? Because that seemed, that ended up becoming a bit of a warning uh, sign for us in the uh, game three in the NAB Cup last year against the Crows, um, or do you think there's something uh, something else going on there? In one of the um, other games, that challenge game, I think it was the Fremantle Adelaide game. One of the commentators actually talked about that, and they said that a lot of sides that now are going, they called it the skinny side as opposed to the fat side of the ground, are going back the same way that the ball came through, and I think it's because of the players coming down that wing, those players are going to be tight, like tired and fatigued. So they, you send it back down that way because they don't want to track back. 
that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Instead of like switching the play over and like going to where the players that hadn't been used and they're more fitter. I don't know if that makes sense to you. It makes sense to me in my mind, but yeah, they definitely said it was a thing that a lot of sides were doing now was definitely t- attacking back the same wing as what the play went down. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. It's, it's, uh, I guess, the simple theory of uh, uh, the quickest way from A to B is a straight line, isn't it? So, um, and it's essentially how Collingwood played in 2010 when they won the flag as well. Yeah. I guess it's just an issue. Um, I guess Melbourne were outnumbering us around the pack situation at the fall of the ball. Um, so, you know, if we don't have a transition game plan and if we're not switched on, well, obviously that's going to cause us to be outnumbered, lose possession and maybe get potentially caught out on the rebound. So um, uh, I'd still like to see an effective switch and I thought we did it better in the second half of last season where we were more aggressive with our sort of our forward diagonal switch kick instead of going diagonal backwards. But, um, yeah, yeah it'll be one of, I'll be watching with interest in our next game against Richmond, that's for sure. Yeah. And what, what about in the first... Well, some yep. stats worth mentioning at half-time. Despite being well on top, we were still uh, minus 20 in contested possessions. We were plus 28 in uncontested possessions. So I think that maybe shows how hard we were running in the first half. Uh, Gorn was leading Lobie 31-9 to 9 in the hit-outs. We were minus 5 in clearances uh, and plus 5 in inside 50s as well. So despite um, Lobie getting pretty well spanked, I guess, um, we were still winning plenty of the ball. Not only that, it was. Uh, I think Gorn had a lot more possessions. Um, the other thing of interest too is that we ran five players off the interchange bench in the first half, I believe, and and Melbourne had seven. So yeah. I think that could be part of the reason coming to the second half that uh, they probably ran over the top of us in through that third quarter. Yeah. So where did it go wrong, Rick? Okay, well, I reckon it went wrong with our fitness, which goes down to the number of rotations. Melbourne um, outnumbered our rotations. I think they were in the 140s to ours to our early 90s. So clearly over the last two games, we're trying to match simulate our rotations off the bench whilst also managing the workload of all our players at this point in time in the season. Um, so therefore, obviously, with Melbourne still maintaining a seven-man interchange bench for the whole game, and Port going from five down to four in the second half, plus having forty less rotations, I don't think you need to be Albert Einstein to um, to ascertain that that's going to affect uh, the fitness le- le- levels of the players. So, I uh, I did. Um, make an email to some people I know in the, the AFL world and asked and said, would you compare it to like 18 versus 16 on a side? They, they disagreed and they, they didn't think it would be that extreme, but they did say that the number of rotations would really, really influence the fitness, obviously, of the players. So um, I think that means it makes a noticeable uh, difference to our play where I said before that Melbourne were just outnumbering us. So... Um, a lot of the pack situations, follow the ball, our long kicks, we, you know, they were two to one. So we obviously couldn't get there. Um, our legs did start to look heavy. But I guess the one concern I did have is, and Melbourne did this two years ago in our Alice Spring game as well, um, they were able on their half, very well to, on their half-back line, uh, get a straight line wall across the ground, which really stopped our offensive run through the through the middle or through the lines, and they they they've done that to us now for a couple of years. So that's something that we need to really look at. How do we overcome that? Because obviously that's going to come up again this season. Is that a fatigue thing? I'm not necessarily convinced, and I think um, there might be something else to it. And while we're on it, we might as well talk about our big mate uh, Matthew Loby. Look, I um, people think I'm picking on him. I'm not. I want our, all our players to succeed, and I back them in. Uh, but something's got to happen because he got absolutely pantsed, and we don't have a we don't really have a fallback option this year. And I, to be honest, I, I could see an argument that you know people could argue that maybe Dougal Howard would have been more effective than Matt Lobie in that game. Look, full credit to Max Gorn. I think um, you know, I wouldn't really be all that surprised if he's old Australian ruckman. You know, his development over the last twelve months has been monumental, and he's gone from. 
Um, I, I guess he's really followed the, the standard sort of Ruckman development curve, I guess. You know, he was sort of skinny and didn't really do much. But over the last 12 months, he's really improved his game out of sight. And um, he's just looking and playing like an absolute beast at the moment. And, you know, Lobie couldn't get anywhere near the ball. And to make matters worse, it was pretty fumbly every time he went near it at ground level. He took zero marks once again. He's just got to be better. Oh, it has to be. Yes. What do you think, Janus? I'd like to think that he's like, I don't know, saving himself for the real regular season, but it's like one of those vain hopes, I think, in terms of how his form is. And Yeah. Um, all you can do is just basically hope that he's going to... I think it was Porsche who said that he's never been a positive Ruckman. He's always been a negator, and I agree with that. Yeah, she posted that on the forums that, you know, like he's the sort of guy who he won't win the first, he won't win the tap, but he will be the guy who will tackle, you know, tackle or you know do those secondary efforts and you know make sure that the other opposition doesn't get the get the ball. But I, I don't know. Part of me likes to think that he's you know Ken said to him, look, don't go as hard as you possibly can because what if he gets injured? Like yeah. in a preseason game, that doesn't really mean that all that much, you know. So that's part of what I think. But also, I do think that rucks have gone to the stage where you need to have that, you know, the two hundred and seven, two hundred and eight. You know, the bigger athletic ruck is the thing these days. Is what you need. And I just, I just think that uh, Loeb's might be in that transition period of. You know, back back in the day when you had rucks that were around his heart, now he's like finding himself in some sort of limbo between the two. He's not good at tap work or anything like that, but he's not athletic either. So therefore, he's like in this, you know, I don't know. It's, I guess he is in a bit of limbo. And look, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he didn't go as hard as what he could have. That's, that's certainly a fair point. Now, I do, I do agree that he's more of a negating Ruckman. You know, he often jumps early, tries to sort of put off the other Ruckman and hopes to sort of, um, I guess, turn the tap into a, a bit of a 50-50 so that our uh, midfielders have a bit more of a chance as opposed to um, watching their Ruckman sort of tap it down their midfielders' throats every single time. So um, we know what we're going to get with Lobie. Um, we know he works bloody hard and he's going to have to do it all year by himself pretty much but it would have been interesting to see how Howard went um, against Gorn with his big leap um, and if he could have jumped over the top of him a little bit um, that would have mm. been pretty interesting but um, I guess going back to the interchanges I, I have no doubt that it did have a huge impact and it was certainly noticeable at the ground um, and even more noticeable watching the replay that um, Melbourne went in a lot harder um, in that second half and yeah, we kind of let them as well. You know, they were going really hard and sort of, you know, bumping us over the line and, all, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I didn't really feel as bad about the lack of intensity watching the replay as I did at the ground. Still not good, but I don't think it's the biggest problem. But um, we talk about how big an impact that had, but I think our fourth quarter was actually pretty even with Melbourne. It was really the first sort of 10 minutes of that third quarter where we really looked to, uh, to struggle and, and didn't really come out of the blocks all that hard out of the break. Um, so can we really use that as an excuse when they've just had a, a 15 minute break at half time mm. I don't think so I don't think you can use it as an excuse that's the reason why when Ken was talking about after the game how it's a lack of effort you have to agree with him because as I said before you want to have the same intent how you would normally want to play and whether it's fatigue or not is no excuse for not going in hard something like that. Mm. But again, you've got to look at the other side of the factor or the other side of the coin, which is if you go hard, it's only a preseason game. So you don't want to get into a situation where you'd be like, uh, was it Brayshaw who got injured in the first minute? Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to have the, I don't think any of our guys would be thinking to themselves, oh yeah, let's go get ourselves knocked out or let's go get ourselves, you know, so we have to go out for a knee operation or something like that and miss the round one. So you can sort of like understand why they didn't go as hard as what they should have. But again, if you start keeping giving that as an excuse, then it's fraught with danger too. And I think that's the reason why Ken was so adamant that 
you know, it's all all about all about effort because he wants to make sure that our players don't um, get into that mindset that it's okay to you know just be give that sort of effort against weaker. And I use that as inverted commas opposition because you know that if you're off five percent off, anyone can beat anybody. Yeah. Well, if you're not going to use rotations as a num as an, a reason for the poor performance or part of the excuse. Uh, I guess the the other question then would be um, why was our midfield pretty much non-existent in that second half? Um, Hamish Hartlett was getting no ball. I I don't recall Brad Ebert getting a possession. Um, Robbie Gray was somewhere. Um, Jared Pollock didn't influence the game much, and neither did Jimmy Tumper. So. I um, yeah, all of our big midfielders except for Travis Boak and Robbie Gray, as you mentioned before, um, they had very very poor second halves where they just weren't obviously them working hard enough. Yeah, no, that's a very good call as well. They certainly can't um, argue against all of that. I think Sammy Gray only played about ten. 12 minutes of the third quarter and then he went off for the game. Robbie Gray went out of it. Ebert barely got a kick. Hartlett wasn't seen. Um, I think uh, the total breakdown across half forward was a big impact as well. I mean, Westhoff, I don't know how many times we've spoken about this on the podcast, but you know he often has a massive first quarter and you think, God, he's going to have a game of a lifetime here and then he doesn't touch the ball for an hour. So you know, that happened once again. Butch went out of it. He took two really good marks in the first quarter and then didn't really touch the ball again. Um, and we just had no defensive pressure going up forward either. Mm. But again, like, I, I don't know. It, it comes down to what happened at the halftime break. Maybe we just came out um, not thinking Melbourne would go in as hard as what they did in that third quarter and got a little bit spooked or, you know, it was a little bit unexpected and it just took us a little bit of time to, uh, to respond to that. I think that's definitely what it was. I reckon we went into that second half thinking that, oh, yeah, this is just nab challenge and we're just going through the motions and, you know, a fitness thing. And that's what our intent was. And Melbourne's intent was, hey, we're going to go out as hard as we can and we're going to try and win this game. Yep. And, you know, so that they can get some sort of, uh, I don't know what you, what you would call it, some sort of psychological edge or something like that. But you couldn't really even say that because of the rotations and stuff. I mean, after the game, they would have looked at that and went, oh. What do you take? You know, we, what, you don't take anything out of it because it's like 50 more rotations. It's like, well, you know, are we, and we only won by 19 points. I mean, I don't know. But I guess they've got their, their way of uh, doing it and they needed to get a win because um, it's they're few and far between for Melbourne at this stage of their development and it's important to get that winning feeling so I can understand that from a development point of view because with a young side with all these guys, you don't want to keep having them so that they're always losing all the time because that's not a way of creating a winning side. I mean, that's the reason so- why Carlton never did anything because they were based on they, they made their whole team based on losing basically so are these teams like Melbourne and Sydney that played a high volume of rotations before the season proper are they playing with a little bit of fire um, yeah, I guess we're not fitness gurus but to me it seems a bit strange that you would uh, maybe run that many rotations when the season's not going to be played like that it seems like a bit of an odd choice to make, um, to go with 135 rotations or whatever Melbourne had when they're not going to be allowed to do that in the season proper. But I guess maybe the other point is that maybe they didn't want to burn out their players too early, you know, when it's you know, 31 degrees or whatever it was on uh, on Saturday. You know, it was pretty hot. Um, you know, maybe sort of just give them a bit of an extra break and have them spend an extra sort of 10, 15 minutes on the bench. Mm. So I think the um, sorry, I was just going to say. So what do we do if Loby carries his form for the next the first five weeks of the season? Well, he'll be dropped. Yeah, well, Ken persisted with the players for quite a considerable time last year. Do you think he'll be a bit more ruthless this year, regardless of the backup players that we have? I think he will, but I think it also depends on the results that we have as well. If we're sitting 5-0 and Lobie's playing like crap, then I think he'll persist with Lobie. If we're sort of 1-4, and four, 
uh, and Lobie's playing like crap, then I think he'll be playing in the SANFL. Yeah, it's interesting. So that's our concern, isn't it, with the rider suspension, stating the obvious. Um, but hopefully he finds form and it doesn't become an issue. And I, I think, as you pointed out in your hate section, um, with our depth in around the half-back flank, Mark, with the Cam O'Shea, he's going to be uh, really pushing it to get an opportunity this year, I believe. Especially, as you said, Jasper played well. Tommy Jonas is playing well. Matty Broadbent played well. Um, what's going to happen there? I don't know. I guess there's Impey as well. And I guess I wanted to speak about Impey because I thought he had a really strong first half on Gala and he maybe epitomised the team as a whole through the game because he was an absolute disaster in the second half and gave Garlett no respect at all defensively and gave up two or three goals just by horrendous errors. And you know, at the moment, I, I guess I like the thought of Impey as a player more than I actually like Impey himself. And I think potentially the sky's the limit for him. I love his skill set. I love his pace, his sidestep. Um, for a guy on the edge of the 22, he needs to perform a bit better than that as well. Mm. Yeah, I... Obviously, I only heard the first half on the radio, so I couldn't see his um, shutdown performance. But the second half was—it uh, was one of many that wasn't very good at all, and he just seemed his head didn't seem to be in the game. I think it's one of those things that if you get if one player starts to slack off, then all the rest of them believe that they can do exactly the same thing too. So it's like a malaise that it infected the entire team. And they all just like. Well, that's uh, that's a real concern, Janus, if that's the case, because uh, you know what? If one person slacks off, so the rest of the team quits too. Um, I would be really, really concerned if that's if that's how it actually panned out, because that's almost a, a cultural issue if that's a, if that's what they're doing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things that you see it with a lot of teams that are. That's the reason why experienced teams win premierships, like they're in there like twenty-eight to thirty, because they've got that. Um, I'm trying to think of the word consistency, I guess, of performance. Like their highs and their lows are not as diametr- diametrically opposed as what a young team is. Like you'll get a team that has a really good performance, and then they'll have a really bad performance the week later, right? and that's what happens at when you're starting to learn, but as you get more experience, the highs and the lows come together, so it's a more of a consistency of, okay, every week you know how Hawthorne's going to play because they play exactly the same way all the time. You know, and it doesn't matter what happens like in terms of how another team plays because they know they've been through that before, and I just think that that might be what it is with a guy like Impey and other people is because, you know, they're just getting that um, mental strength that that's required to keep switched on all the time. And that's what's required in AFL level. You need to be on all the time. You can't slack off. You can't do anything like that because if you are, as I said before, 5%, that's all you need to be off before, you know, and your t- opponent will get off you, like, kick three goals in you or whatever because, hey, all these guys are good enough to be playing at AFL level. It's just how consistent they are at doing it. They're experienced enough not to suffer that and as far as I'm concerned. We, we don't have the young side anymore. We've got, an ex, we've got a very experienced side. So, um, yeah, I would be hoping that we're in that category that you want us to be compared to and not the, uh, the poor performing category. But for all the doom and gloom, it is only the pre-season and... There was a lot of optimism and positivity to come out of the first half. And uh, I guess time will tell how we play against Premiership favourites uh, Richmond in a week and a half time to uh, to what happens. Yep. I also want to talk about some individual players just for a moment. We've already spoken a little bit about Boak, but he looked in absolute ripping form and you know did it all in the midfield. But most importantly, he kicked three goals. And I think that's maybe a part of his game that went missing a little bit last year is he had to spend a bit more time in the middle. Um, I'd love for him to get back uh, a little bit closer to goal and spend a bit more time on a forward flank. Um, do you think we might see that a bit more this year? Well, Richard's firing, yeah. With the emergence of Archie, with the emergence of Sam Gray, it's it's given us a few more options in the middle. And I guess with Tumpus there, with Wines back full time, I think it's going to allow someone like Travis Boak to spend more time sort of uh, around the goal face a little bit. 
rather Travis being up forward than being on the bench, and it reduces it takes one of those rotations away and gives it to someone like a Wines who might not have the fitness base at the moment to go completely for a whole game or something like that. So, yep. yeah, if he's going to... Travis is pretty good around goal. He's got a good goal sense, just like Robbie Gray does. So, yeah, I can see it happening. Yeah. Although, as you say, those sorts of players that can rest up forward as opposed to on the bench um, and can kick goals regularly, they're going to be worth their weight in gold this year. So what about Hamish? Did he play more half-back flank or more in the midfield? I actually thought he seemed to be playing a little bit more on a forward flank, if anything. Right. Well, you wouldn't expect that to be happening too much at all, really, would you? No. So maybe we... I mean, as I've said before, I would prefer him playing on a forward flank as opposed to a back flank because his skills are that good that he can hit up targets inside 50 and he can hoof goals from 60. So I don't know why we don't do that a bit more, but... Obviously, we like his transition play across half-back as well and his ability to hit sort of 50-metre targets going down the field just as mm. much. But... So who are the other ones that you wanted to bring up, Maka? Uh, I really liked uh, Pittard and Broadbent. Once again, I thought Pittard was close to best on ground outside of both. He's, he's in Brownlow medal form this year, isn't he? He will win the Brownlow this year. <laughs> surely, surely <laughs> he's going to... He is by far... He is... He's, he's surpassing Gary Ablett, really. Both of them with his performance. He's just an amazing player. Forget the John Pittard medal. It's going to be the Jasper Pittard medal by the time his career's over. Ah, oh, if I have anything to do with it, absolutely. Well, where are those... Uh, he he mates? was wonderful and he was excellent in the first half and even in the second half as the team was sort of crumbling around him, he was, uh, he was pretty much one of the only two players that was sort of standing tall and helping us get out of the mire a little bit, so... Um, is this the year that he can put it all together for a full year? Let's hope so. Be cool. I hope so. I think he can. He's a superstar. What about our mate um, Jackson Trengove? How's he going? I thought he was really good defensively. Um, yeah, he played on Sam Frost, I think, and he didn't really do much at all. So defensively, he did a really good job. Uh, spent a little bit of time in the midfield as well. Um, no, he's just solid as a rock. He's not going to be the most... Um, you know, interesting player out there, but you know he's going to do his job. Janus, do you think it could unsettle his game, um, taking him away from the key defensive posts and pushing him into the ruck a little bit more this season? Or you don't? you think he's used to it now and he'll be able to handle uh, the multi-positions? I think it might actually benefit him going into the ruck sometimes. I think sometimes he gets a little bit... I don't know... Last year, when he said that he was, he basically refused point blank to go into the ruck. He said, nah, that's not my job, which is fair enough because we had Ryder and Loby and he shouldn't need to go in there. But he got, I don't know, a bit lost in his role and doesn't have that, um, I don't know, I just think getting his hands on the ball in the ruck will be good for him in terms of just influencing the play and feeling like he's you know, making a, a difference to the team rather than just concentrating on his own game. I don't know what you guys think about it, but that's just my opinion. Maka? You go, Matt. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I've always been pro-Jackson um, uh, being in the ruck because um, I think he's a, a great ruckman. Uh, however... Uh, I do feel like um, he really needs to be settled, a bit like Justin Westhoff. I'd like to see both of those really settled into uh, a permanent fixed position. Maybe I'm dreaming uh, with modern football now where you do have to uh, be quite um, volatile in your positioning, I guess. But, yeah, I'd really like to see a bit of settlement there, to be honest. I'd like to see Trengove settle at centre-half back, but we know how influential he can be in the midfield, but I guess with the emergence of Dougal Howard, I mean, he and Trengover are almost a bit of a clone in sort of body shape and their uh, sort of physical abilities, and, you know, we we can see that Howard's got that ability to sort of jump over other Ruckman and, 
you know, if he can become that sort of player that can have that sort of influence, then it will allow Trengove to actually settle as an half back. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Yes, um, very good. I guess the other player that I wanted to speak about was Jakey Need, who had such a good game in the first NAB Challenge match against Sydney, but he was pretty well unsighted um, against Melbourne. Um, Archie as well, he didn't, I guess he didn't have a lot of, uh, of game time, but he didn't really do as much as what he did uh, against Sydney as well. Um, any concerns there? I think that might be just a case of deferring to the senior players that had come back into the side more than anything else. Now you, like with Archie especially, I think he's just hanging back a little bit, thinking to himself, oh, now Wines is there and Boak's there and Gray and all that sort of stuff. Do I go for the ball or do I, you know, just hang back a bit and wait for something to happen? And he needs to, like, just go for it. Forget status and you know the names that are surrounding you and just can concentrate on your own game and that's what needs to happen because that's how you become better as a player and the same thing with Need. He just needs to focus on his game, how the things that the coaches want him to do and the rest of it will come. Look, it's a pre-season. I, um, even though I've just been bagging out on Lobie, I guess I've been bagging out on Lobie because his form's been continuing on from last year now through to this year. It's a bit of a worry. Uh, Brendan Archie finished off with great form. His last week was great. Yeah, so I'd probably be to cut him a bit of slack. Uh, I'd want to see an improved performance from him, but I'd want to see an improved performance from the whole midfield in the next game. And, uh, you know, if we have a, a half or a quarter where the whole midfield disappears again, which is sort of circa 2013... Um, yeah, I think then we've got cause for concern after next week's game. Yep, that's fair enough. I guess we'll leave it there for the discussion on the NAB Challenge game against Melbourne. I guess the other thing I want to speak about, and I guess it's a bit of a late thing, I've done no preparation for this as well, but um, Caro Wilson said on radio tonight that um, Port won't be getting a women's team in the WAFL or whatever they're going to call it. Um it looks like it's going to go with the Crows and Port are going to go with a more long-term sort of development structure and hope to get a team a little bit later on. Um, how do we feel about that? Outrageous! Janus! <laughs> what a disgrace! The Crows get branding first mover advantage again. I mean, how spoon-fed does this sookie organisation need to be why do they get the first opportunity? It makes logical sense to be given a Port Adelaide where a community-based club, we're a family club, we've got a tight-knit connection and we embrace everything that's good about the world. KT should be nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. He's that bloody good and peaceful and we should have the women's team and screw Carol Wilson. What a she bloody honey. <laughs> Not Didn't she say Damn it. Rick Slogan. Didn't she say that uh, it was Port's decision to say, no, nah, we're not going to pursue a woman's team? Yeah. Or so was, that was it? A great, yeah. That was, look, I just love that rant. That was a great rant. Yes, yeah, it was, it was a good rant. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that uh, when the Crows affiliated themselves with the Northern Territory women's team, or the the women from Northern Territory and that development corridor and said, oh, this is what we're going to, you know, we're going to join with these guys. You can under you could see that the AFL might have said, oh, that was a good idea, you know, because they want to have that, you know, they're all about getting as many people as possible into the game. So they've, you know, I don't know got that side of things all sewn up. And I do like the idea that Port Adelaide is actually like taking more of a development side of things coming into it and getting it done right rather than just going into it just to be first. I do like that uh, philosophy because if you just go in just to be first, then who knows what sort of side you're going to come up with. It might be a side that gets flogged every week. Whereas if you 
go down the development pathway and you can concentrate on how you're going to the players that are coming through and you can pick and choose who you go, okay, this particular girl or um, is showing a elite, being elite prospect, then you can get to a stage where it's like, oh, Port Adelaide has a development corridor. I'm going to go down that way rather than going for this side that's just just there and I can just be a represent representative and I can just play straight away because you could do that with any side. Yeah, but why so, wouldn't you? If you're a young lady wanting to play football, I'm not going to go, oh, I'm going to go to Port Adelaide because they've got a good development program, but I'm not going to get any recognition. Or I can go to the Adelaide Crows and become a founding member or one of and, um, and get some prime-time recognition. Uh, I think I'm, I'm not going to, unless I'm Aaron Phillips, I'm not going to go down that pathway. I mean, this is uh, the women's time now to, to basically have an opportunity to shine. And what I don't understand is why would we push so hard to promote our desire to have a women's team and then go, yeah, no, nah, I don't want it anymore. The only reason I could see that we might want to not do it it's because we're looking at it as a thing of, well, this might become a bit of a financial slug and um, for the first 10 years and we're better off focusing on our own backyard, getting it right, and let the other eight teams do the heavy lifting, build up the, uh, the brand recognition of the product overall in the competition and then uh, once it's ready, to, good to go, insert Port Adelaide. Yeah. No, that's fair enough as well. Um... Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what to think about. I guess we'll wait and see what the uh, what's going to come out of it. But it does seem a little bit strange. Maybe we we were told that we wouldn't get a team and that the Crows were ahead of us, so not to bother. So we could either bow out now or sort of, you know, just get told a little bit later on that we're not going to get in. But I don't know. So what would be the logical explanation for the Crows being ahead of us? We've got a larger membership base in the Crows now. We're a more community-orientated club. We had a key figurehead female sports person. Um, so why, what, what would be in the best interest of giving it to the Crows over Port in the first place? Maybe they're a bit more financially secure than us, so that if it does go awry, they will be able to cover the knocks. Well, wouldn't it? Surely it's going to be bankrolled by the AFL. Well, to some extent, probably, yeah, but I don't know. Well, I want to know. I don't know is not good well, maybe. Well, maybe the Crows have done more background work and maybe we just got in too late. Mate, you know everybody. Get Gil on the phone now, Macca. I want to maybe speak this, to you. Maybe in this situation we are the cartel and we just got in a little bit too late for the, for the licence. Yeah, well... We got in first and we still got in second the first time round as well. But look, I mean, who knows? It might be a big flop. It might be the greatest thing ever. You, you never know yet. So maybe it's a good idea for us to sort of wait and see what happens. And if it is if it is financially successful, if it is um, successful in, in terms of supporters and interest and all that sort of stuff, then, then we'll get our chance later on. Do you actually care? Do you boys care? Or not really? I do. I'm, I'm always interested to support another team with the Port Adelaide name that plays football. Absolutely. I would have been uh, joyous to go and watch that this year. I reckon it would have been, or next year, whenever it is. Oh, that would have been fantastic. But, you know, if it's not to be, then it's not to be. Janus? Mm-hmm. I concur. I mean, yeah. anyone, yeah, any team that's got Port Adelaide associated with it is a team that I'm going to support regardless. And I think maybe that might be one of the things that's um, part of the decision too, is that you want one of the things that is associated with Port Adelaide is that success and wanting to, you know, become a premiership contender, that sort of thing. So I don't know, maybe we're trying to create a pathway where we know that when we get into the league, it'll be based on merit rather than just being the first. Maybe we're trying to merge two interests, Janus and KT's over in China, so in a couple of years' time, we'll be the first team to field an all-Chinese female AFL Port Adelaide football site. Maybe. 
And they'll be driven there by all electric Renault cars. <laughs> Look, am I shattered that we're not going to get a team in the uh, inaugural season? No, I'm not. Will I've gone to games? Absolutely, I would have. Would we have spoken about it on this podcast? Absolutely. But we'll get there. We'll get there in the end. Yeah, um, I'm still bitter from 1990. I can't get over it. Right? This was my... Move on. My, Move this on. was my... No, I remember the time very, very well, Maka. You were still running around in your little nappy, so you don't really understand it. You just you just listen to the, the stories passed down by the old fellas like us. But I was there. I was gutted that day. I was so excited we were going to get in. And then I was gutted when they put in that bloody court order restraint of trade garbage and now this was our perfect opportunity to at least get some sort of uh, reversal on that original decision so I'm very disappointed girl I'm sure more information will come out uh, in due course about this maybe we can ask George maybe in a couple of weeks time indeed well, yes. I think we might leave it there for tonight. Janus, thanks for coming on, buddy. No worries. Thanks for having me. Rick, a pleasure as always. I want to rant more. I'm in a <laughs> ranting mood. Let's hang on about this topic for another two hours. Maintain, sure maintain your rage, Rick. It's a Grr. Pleasure as and, always. And I've, got to say, I've got to say a massive thank you to everyone that's uh, joined in the chat because we've had a heap of people come in the chat. Scott, James, Ben, Portia... Uh, Matt Sullivan, Graham from uh, Dubai. Welcome, everyone. So how come we haven't Great heard about everyone this? everyone get involved. What about the chat? How come we haven't heard about it through the show? Because Are they just been de- so, so on edge. Have they, they been debating on the side? Have they been debating on the side? They have. They have. A Has lot. it been interesting? There's like 100 comments here. It's, uh, it's oh, fantastic. Awesome. I'm gonna, and was Cam O'Shea mentioned by Porsche? Uh, no. No. I think Porsche was a bit late to the party, but yes, Ben, I was still in nappies at age nine. <laughs> Sad to say. I'm there going to edit this out, so that's only for something for the live people to listen to. Boo. That's, you're such a spoiled sport. You let the power go to your head. You've got to leave this stuff in. It's good quality listening. It is. So what are we, just quickly before we go, what are we going to do this weekend with no port footy on? I'll probably have a baby, so that's probably what I'll be doing. So, oh, that is exciting. That is exciting. You'll be giving her lots of cuddles. Yes. I won't Good personally work. be having a baby, but uh, my wife will. So. Well, can you please have a chat to her and just ask, is she willing, video camera, maybe get some running commentary? What about we do it on Spreaker? Look, we could have a chat going through the whole thing. Yeah. That'd be great. Live chat. I'd join. I'd be keen on that. Mm. Have a good weekend. Thank you. And you too, Janus. Thanks, you too. Will do. Can the pair. Go pair. Spears inside 50. Schultz comes hard. Flicks it out. Bokes. Get It'll back. be appropriate. The captain. That is gold class. <laughs> Leadership agrees with Travis Boke. He's better than ever.